pray and ask the Lord to be here this morning in the Word and uh, believe in God got something for us today. Father, we just still our hearts on you. God, it's all about you. Lord, it's not about a man. It's not about a church. It's not about me. Lord, it's not about a program or a curriculum or, Lord, just some great new teaching. But, God, it is all about Jesus Christ. It is all about you and to you be the glory, God, and no one else. And, Lord, we come here today, Lord, that we would uh, study your word to apply it to our hearts. God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand, and, Lord, feet to walk out of this place, changed, transformed, and on path with your will. And, God, I pray, Lord, that we would just have uh, the fullness of the Holy Spirit inside of us, so much so, God, that we would willingly obey you and lay our life down for you and for one another in love, that we'd be called friends of the Most High God. And somebody said? Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles this morning, turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 12. John chapter 15, verse 12. And uh, we are part of, uh, we're wrapping up our Words in Red series, and this little section of our Words in Red series is called Love Sums It. Love Sums It. Love plus obedience equals what? What does love plus obedience equals? And we've already talked about on our first week that love plus obedience equals servanthood, how Jesus washed the disciples' feet on the night He was betrayed, and He laid down His royalty from heaven and took on our slavery uh, and he was willing to humble himself to die even a death on a cross. And, and that he's saying, hey, so this new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. And you think, wow, how in the world is that possible? Uh, and then we talked, uh, you know, about uh, love plus obedience equals discipleship, becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. And he says, hey, if you do these things, then you are my disciples. And it's a witness to the world, our love for one another in the church. And if we can't love one another in the church, we can't love anybody. Really, if we can't get along here in our walls and these four walls uh, and in between other churches in our community, let me say that we can't get along with cross denominational lines. There's no way we're going to reach the world. And that's what it is to love one another. And so we're going to talk about he says it in, uh, in John chapter uh, 15 or 14, 15, 16. These these uh, this is the one night and he unloads on them. Uh, just a lot of stuff in one night, the night he was betrayed. He teaches on them, uh, with them at length on the Mount of Olives. After washing their feet, they had communion together. They had the Passover supper, and then they spent kind of an evening together. And he just uh, uh, over repeatedly, he tells them, love one another. This is my command, love one another. And there's something to that. Uh, for instance, uh, guys, how many of you have ever had your wife tell you something several times in a row, Right? Okay, never. Right. We're going to pray on lying later. No, not. Uh, <laughs> several, you know, why? Okay, so say, you know, uh, husbands or wives, you're going on a long trip, wife's leaving on a long trip or something, and, and the, what, what, the conversation goes something like this. And, okay, now remember, don't forget. Now, now, before I leave, you got that. Why? What do you think she, you know, this, that repeatedly before you leave, hey, don't you remember? Don't forget. Now, now, let, now I remind you, don't forget about the, you know, little Susie's uh, ball practice and don't forget about her cleats and don't forget about this and don't forget about that and the trash and the dog and the kids and, and all these things. Why, why do we do that? One, she's, she is uh, entrusting you with the house that she's built, husbands, right? She's entrusting you with that. Number two, she don't trust you. Right. Uh, so <laughs> that's right. And so here we have Jesus 
And over eight times, eight times on the night that he was about to die, he tells them, love one another. Obey me. Love one another. This command I give to you. He says it eight different ways. Over eight times. You can even argue it was more than eight. But he, now if someone tells you eight times in one night to do something, what are you thinking here? You know, they're really wanting me to get this. Jesus Christ entrusted his disciples with his church before leaving. And he wanted to make sure they really, really got something here. And that's why we're spending so many weeks on this. Because if he had to tell it to them that many times, Lord knows we need to hear it a couple more times. Amen? All right, John 15, verse 12. Let's read it together. John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. So here we go. He's saying it again. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid on his life for his friends. You are my friends if... Everybody say if. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Man, that's a good verse right there. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. And that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you. And here's how he ends that statement again. I command you, love one another. He pack, he sandwiches what he has to say to us today. Command you to love one another. Da, 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 da. Command you, love one another. And we're going to uh, open this up this, this morning. And I want to bring out some stuff in here. And I'm only going to preach what he's preaching right here. Just these, these few verses. Because there's something powerful in him. And the first one is that when we obey him as Lord and love him as Savior, we get to be his friends. And those friends are a people who are chosen, commissioned, and confirmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, say this. This is what we're going to talk about today. When we obey Him as Lord, and we love Him as Savior, and love others, we get to be His friends. And those friends are a chosen, commissioned, and confirmed people. And so let's look at this this morning. Number one, when we obey Him as Lord. Jesus is Lord. I don't know if anybody of y'all know this or not, but He's the guy that makes all the rules. He's the guy that set the universe into position. He makes the orders. He defines what relationships are good. He defines what's right, what's wrong. He's Lord. Amen? And, and obey Him as Lord. Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. And we're going to talk about Abraham a little bit through this. Uh, it says that God blessed Abraham with this great covenant blessing. He says, hey, I'm going to take you and your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And it's going to be a people of faith. And they're going to go through every world, every tribe, every tongue. And, and I'm going to bless you with this. And the Bible says that Abraham obeyed God's voice. Obeyed God's voice. When you realize who he is, you can't help but obey him. When you truly understand he's God and I'm not. And Abraham, and by faith in who he was, it says he obeyed God's voice. And so Jesus comes on the scene here with us this morning. In John chapter 14, verse 24, backtrack, he says, those who, do not, uh, those who do not love me do not keep my words. Mm. So does that mean, Pastor, if, if I keep messing up in sin and, and I keep going back to my old life, does that mean what? That I don't really love Jesus? I think that's what he just said. 
He said, if you obey my words, you love me. But if you don't obey my words, you really showing me you don't love me. And so do we love God as Lord? You know, a lot of people want God to be their best friend. But before he can be your best friend, he's got to be your Lord. And it starts off there. Uh, and we want him to be our savior. We want him to be saving us from sin and hell. But is he my Lord? And, and he's got to have ownership of my life and he has to have full authority in me. And he says with commandment, he says repeatedly, I don't just ask you if you feel like it to love one another. He says, I'm commanding you. This isn't an option. This isn't a part of Christianity that you get to just join the club and maybe one or not you like one another or something when you like how the church goes or you like what that sister or brother so-and-so does or maybe you like to get along with Life Point Assembly or First Baptist or Nolly Methodist or whatever. He's saying, you, you, you know, hey guys, I'm God, I'm Lord, I'm commanding you. This is the way it's going to be if you're going to be a part of my church. Whew. He, he don't give them a choice. Eight times over, he says, hey, this is a rule. This is a command. This is the law. Y'all got to love one another. I'm about to leave this earth, and, and y'all got to get this. Y'all got to love one another. Y'all have to love one another. I'm commanding you, love one another. Eight times. Remember, I'm about to die. Love one another. Now, think about this. What we do today has a lot to say about this. Who we are and who we believe Him to be. What I'm doing in my life, how obedient I am, how much I'm following him has a lot to do with what I believe or who I believe he really is and who I really am. Uh, it says something about me when I don't obey God. And it says something about how much faith I have in that he's Lord. And so uh, Abraham, by faith, believed God. And if you want the blessing of God in your life today and you want to be a friend of God like Abraham, it starts off, number one, with obedience. You have to obey God. And it has to be your life's call. Abraham obeyed God's voice. we got a choice, though, between disobedience and obedience. Scripture tells us that uh, people who do not know the Lord do not obey Him. And judgment comes upon those who don't obey His commandments, the Bible says in the, uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. For instance, think about Israel. The Bible says that Israel went into exile because they did not know the Lord. They did not have a relationship with Him. They did not obey Him. And because they didn't obey Him, Jeremiah tells us in chapter 7 that uh, they walked in their own counsel. They walked in the stubbornness of their evil hearts. And their lives actually went backwards as they tried to move forward. Anybody ever had that happen before? Everything you try to do just seems to fall apart. Why? You're living life on your own authority. You're defining what's good for your life. You're defining your future for your life. You're defining what's going to make you happy, what relationships you should be in, what job is going to prove successful for you, uh, what's truly going to bring you joy, what's going to really make your kids be good, what's really going to give you success in life. And Israel did the same thing. They forgot about knowing God and obeying God, and they tried to move forward, but they ended up back in exile. And so the Bible says they went backwards when they tried to move forward. They, they were following the own, their own hearts, and so Romans tells us in chapter 2, verse 5, it says, uh, when we are selfishly ambitious, that means seeking my glory, not God's glory. It says that when we do not obey God's truth, we will only find tribulation and distress. Not only that, but our unrepentant heart will store up the wrath of God. When we live 
according to our own obedience, trying to do things our own way, in our own time, our own wants, seeking our own glory, seeking, man, this is going to build me up. This is all about my money. I'm going to, we're going to have a nice car. We're going to have a nice family. It's going to be good. We're going to have a nice vacation. Uh, this is the things that I want. We're building up man's economy in this world. It says, you are promised one thing, tribulation and distress in this life. In the next, you're promised the wrath of God. Why would we want to do that? I don't know. But we do, right? That's what we, that we have this sinful heart. And so we're called to obedience because He is Lord. We need to go out in the stars sometime and just go out at night and look up and just remind ourselves, God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. And it calls me to obedience. Uh, Deuteronomy says, if, if I listen and if I obey Him, if I love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, that God promises me an everlasting blessing. Deuteronomy eleven thirteen. 13. Let me give you some promises that come through the Bible when we come in obedience. Because there's a lot of good reasons to obey. Uh, it says, for those who obey Him in Zechariah 6, that God promises you restoration. That He promises you in Deuteronomy 28, that His blessings will literally overtake you when you obey Him. I, I think that's good. I want to be overtaken by the blessing of God. He says, uh, he will be your God and you will be his people. Jeremiah seven twenty three. And most importantly, he says in Deuteronomy thirty twenty that he will lengthen your life. And I take that to mean in the new covenant that he will give you everlasting life when you obey him. Man, a life blessed, a life prosperous when we obey him. And Jesus becomes our perfect example for that. If you listen to anything today around the world, popular preaching or whatever, it better go back to Jesus. I can't be obedient on my own. Jesus becomes obedient for me. He becomes my perfect example. And I look at this, and so Jesus is telling us tonight, hey, this is my command, obey me, love one another. And I have to go back and say, all right, Jesus, how did you live your life? How did you uh, walk in obedience to God? Because my life is supposed to emulate you. And so if I want to be obedient, I look to Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus loved the Father and did nothing of His own initiative in John 5.30. I can't imagine a life where I don't do anything of my own initiative. Man, I I feel like doing this today. I want an ice cream cone. Did I check that with Jesus? Maybe we should sometimes, right? You know, know, God, I want to do this with my life. God, I want to take that job. I want to take this. uh, I want to date that person. I want to marry that person. God, I want to do this. Or Lord, uh, I want to invest in this. I want to put my retirement in that. He says, I did nothing of my own initiative, but only what I saw my father doing. It's coming to a place where we, like we had baptism this morning, that we crucify our flesh and the only thing left remaining is a life in the Spirit. A born-again relationship with Him. It says, God, I believe that Jesus, when He walked the earth, literally was seeing God ahead of Him by the, through, the, through the Holy Spirit. I believe that this body that He had on was so crucified before He ever died on the cross. He had died to Himself. And He just began to watch the Holy Spirit ahead of Him begin to work. So if the Holy Spirit said, go pray for this person, I think he just went to go pray. He just aligned himself with the will of God. And that's what we're called to do today. Even so much that Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 tells us that he was obedient to the point of death and then God exalted him. We have got to be so obedient that it kills us. Man, you know, we struggle. I struggle. I'm a pastor and I, I struggle. Man, the thoughts that come in our hearts, the, the things that we want to do, the pride. The Bible says that we all are tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
It's all about us. And I have got to be so obedient and so willingly to be obedient that I actually start dying on the inside. Man, it hurts to die. It hurts to kill yourself. But he's saying, hey, Jesus was obedient to the point that it killed him. Are we struggling so much with our obedience that we're saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm killing myself. This is killing me. We say that sometimes in prayer. God, this is killing me. Why are you doing that? You know, that, that, that spark, that, that hurt me, God, that, that word or that, that, that message you gave me. Man, yeah, it's supposed to. He's trying to kill you. Kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? Jesus is trying to kill you, y'all. You know, like, hey, he's wanting you to die with him because then you'll be raised to new life too. The blessing of God comes first through obedience. And so he commands it, obedience and love. It means to be set apart, to be consecrated, to be holy for the purpose of God. Paul tells us in Romans 6.16, he says, whatever we obey, that's what we're a slave to. You obey sin, it's going to result in death. You obey Christ, it's going to result in new life and righteousness. And so Paul says it this way in Romans 6.12. He says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey it. Instead, he'll tell us later in Corinthians, he says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. God, I got a problem in my life. We were saying this to God. God, I maybe got a problem in my life. God, I keep rehashing this issue. God, I keep rehashing these thoughts. I keep rehashing these feelings. God, I keep messing up. I got to remember, God, you're Lord. I'm not. Jesus, how did you do it? You gave your life up to the point of death and allowed the Holy Spirit to give you new life. And so, God, I understand if I'm being obedient to this issue, that means that's a sin issue in my life. And so, God, I have to bring that issue to the obedience of Christ. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Put it under Him and say, God, that's not, that's not going to have authority in my life. I'm going to make a choice. I've got to make a stand and say, God, that thought, that action, that feeling, that desire, that direction, God, it's got to be under Your obedience and to the point that it kills me, God, I'm going to keep doing it. Amen? So He says, be obedient. And the second thing He says, all right, here's my command. Be obedient. Love one another. Love one another. We've got to learn how to love like Jesus. We start in obedience. Then we've got to learn how to love like Jesus. And that love inspires me that my Savior died for me. So how should I love one another? Let's look at this. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. And he says that he ends it. This is my command, love one another. We said last week, Love's not this feeling, it's not an emotion, it's a choice to die for the benefit of someone else. Jesus Christ made the choice to leave heaven to die for your benefit. And so when I say, and he's saying love in this context, love them in the way that I've loved you. Die for them, sacrifice for them, for their benefit. You know, sometimes, I'm getting off here, sometimes we love one another, but it doesn't benefit anybody. We love them, they're sinning, they're doing whatever, they're, we enable them sometimes. But that's not really love. Love is doing what it takes to get them to get to a blessing with God. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to die to myself to get someone the opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. What am I willing to do or what am I not willing to do that would lead to the betterment of somebody else? Sometimes 
We say things like, well, I love, I'm going to be a really nice, loving Christian, so I'm not going to really uh, step on their toes at the workplace or at school or whatever. You know, I'm going to love them. They're going to see love in me. Jesus Christ was willing to call people out when it needed to be. But he did it in a way that loved them so they could get the blessing of God. And that's the goal. Sometimes we get focused on just the obedience. Sometimes we get focused on just the love. But we realize it's got to lead to the blessing of God in somebody's life. And so if we just want to preach love, does it lead to the blessing? And so look at this. He says, love them as I've loved you. His love led to our salvation. Jesus becomes our perfect example again. And he, he told Pilate, I love this, he says, hey, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. I have to be willing, God, to lay my life down for the sake of other people to know Jesus Christ. God, I got to give up my plans. I got to give up my future. I got to give up my dreams. When I, uh, one of the things that really led to my call into ministry was the moment, and I've shared this before, was there was a moment I was in my, uh, we, we rented a dormitory, not a dormitory, a duplex on Telluride Avenue. It was the party street. I didn't know that until after I got there. Uh, and I was praying one morning before school and college, and I just remember uh, I got my prayer time going, got up an hour early, began to pray, seek the Lord. And I remember just falling on my knees to God and saying, God, you can have my past, because everybody wants to do that. God, you can have my present, because that's even better. But God, you can have my future. And I just say, God, if you want me to be a janitor for the rest of my life, God, I'll do it. I'll give up my degree. I was pursuing a degree. I knew the, the salary range I was going to do. I was going to get my doctorate in psychology. going to make a six-figure salary. going to do all those things I wanted to do. Have my house, have my car, have my perfect American dream. But when I began to just release and get to God, I give it up. Whatever you want me to have. And Jesus is saying, I've willingly laid down my life for you. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And our response should be to love like Jesus. Are we willing to die with Jesus for one another? Peter, and I talked about this last week, the hype of it. Oh, yeah, God, you love me so very much and I'm worshiping you. Yeah, Jesus. And he says... Peter, but you know what? Are you really willing to die for me? Because, hey, in a little bit, you're going to deny me three times. And it moves beyond this place of hype and excitement and churchiness and Christianity that it, just like this culture of worship that we have is great feeling in this room. You know what? That feeling in this room, while it was wonderful just a few minutes ago, means nothing if we don't go out of there and out of this place and die and love people. Really, it was just a good emotional experience. It's got to move to a place where it says, God... I'm willing to die for you on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, God. And Jesus, you're my example. There's a lot of things we know we should do. There's a difference between what we should do sometimes and what we can do. 1 John 3.16 tells us, hey, you're going to know love by this, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. So you ought to lay down your life for the brethren. I know I ought to love people, but that doesn't always make it possible, right? Sometimes you know you should love people, but that doesn't always mean you can love people. And he says, because Jesus died, that means you should, you ought to love other people. But it's not until the Holy Spirit comes in your life 
And you begin to put everything in your heart, everything in your body, everything in your mind to the obedience of Jesus Christ, to be obedient to the point that it kills you. God, I'm not going to think that way. God, I'm not going to feel that way. Lord, I, you know what? We're all born sinners, okay? The way you were born thinking is wrong. The way you were born feeling is wrong. Yeah, you may feel that way, but that doesn't make it right. Can I be honest this morning? That depression that's over you, that anger, that unforgiveness, while you may feel validated in it, don't make it right. And so we think wrong. We feel wrong sometimes. And so I have to bring every thought, every feeling, every emotion to the obedience of Christ so that I may love like He loved. And so God, help me. Not just what I ought to do, but what I can do by the power of the Holy Spirit that I die to self, the Spirit brings new life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and the new uh, NIV says it this way. Peter, being the one who denied him, I'm glad that he was the one that wrote this because he would understand it more than any. Peter one twenty two says, But now you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you can have sincere love for each other. Look how he did that. And he says, Love one another deeply from the heart. Why? Because you have been born again, not of imperishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. You have been born again because you put your life under the obedience of Christ and recognized him as Lord. Now, so that you can love one another with a Christ like love. And so if I'm not here, here's the the call. If we're not able to love one another, I got to retrace my steps. That means I got to go back to obedience. God, I didn't put something in obedience to you. I didn't recognize you as Lord of that feeling, that emotion, that anger, that unforgiveness, that that uh, thing that I wanted to do. And so it goes back. God, I have to be obedient to the point of death. He says that you've been born again by the Holy Spirit. You've died to yourself. You put your life under the obedience of God so that love is this thing that just produced in you. And it's a life of worship because you recognize that if Jesus died for me, how can I not die for other people? And so the Holy Spirit bubbles up inside of us just to love people because we're dead. Like we said this morning with the water baptism, those two that came in this morning and got water baptized, they died. Y'all don't know this, but Hannah and Jared, they don't exist anymore. There is a new creation, new people in these pews today walking around in the Holy Spirit. That's their identity is in God. Amen. And so that's the same thing. God, not my will, your will. God, help me to love like you love. And so you only can love because you put yourself under obedience and are filled with the Holy Spirit and are fully loving because Jesus loved you. And he says, what does that produce in us today? It makes you become his friends. Man, you get to be the friends of God. Y'all know what that means? Nobody? Y'all ain't excited about it like I am. Y'all get to be the friends of God. You're not just something out there. Your identity as his friend. Let me show you what this means this morning. John 15, 14, he says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you. Now, let me tell you something. That does not work with your best friends in this world today. Don't go around telling anybody, you're my friend if you do what I tell you to do. It doesn't work. All right. That's just Jesus. Okay. Husbands and wives, it don't apply to you either. All right. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves. So the slave doesn't know what the master is doing. But I call you friends. Because I've heard what the Father has told me and I've made it known to you. 
Jesus comes on the earth, man, he becomes a friend of sinners. He, he befriends prostitutes and tax collectors. He sits down with the religious elite. He lays his hands on lepers, the outcasts of society. And Jesus is all about being a friend of sinners. And not only that, while he's preaching this thing on love, he's washing the disciples' feet of one who would betray him and stab him in the back and sell him off as a slave. And another man who would deny him three times right in front of him, in front of the temple courts, the same guy who said, God, I'll die with you tonight. And he denied him right there just after saying that, making false promises to God like we all do. And he says, I'm your friend. You can, if, I'll be your friend if you love and obey me. And it, friend here uh, in the Greek, this actually means friend at court. If you study it out, some commentators will tell you it's like, it's like this. Uh, in the ancient times, you'd have a king and a king would have his advisors around him and he'd have his special people uh, who he'd kind of always keep to, close to him in his inner chamber, who would kind of share his secrets, his desires, what he wanted to do, his secret plans. Uh, and those were called friends of the king, uh, friends of the court of the king. And you had to recognize that you were not king just because you were in a special position of friendship. He's the king. He makes the rules. You can still get your head chopped off if he wanted to, right? But he has honored you with a special position. And sometimes when we get to the place where we become friends of God, we forget the love plus obedience part. Oh, God, I'm your friend. You love me. You know, we sing that song, I'm a friend of God. He calls me friends. You know, uh, we sing all these things like, God, you love me. I'm chosen. I'm a royal creation. Lord, I'm a holy people for your possession. God, I'm awesome. But you forget he's still the same God who could send us to hell. Let me just put it in perspective there. He's still the king. And he deserves honor and obedience. And he says, I command you to love. And if you obey me, you'll be my friends. You and I are in an honored position with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has bestowed a great title upon us as friends in his court. And what that means for us today is it not that uh, maybe you have good friends and best friends that you can tell whatever you want, which is kind of, that's good. We're telling, talking with the king. Uh, but at the same time, the, in our, our relationships with our friends, there's like a give and take, and there's an equalness. Well, you and I today, no matter what, we are not equal with God. Never will be. Even in heaven, you and I will not be equal with God. He's always going to be God. Amen? And so when I come to God as His friend, it means that I have been set apart not only to special intimacy with Him, but also to special privilege, position, and purpose. Sometimes we forget in the church today, not only do we have a problem with obedience, not only do we have a problem with loving others, but we have a problem with understanding that when you become a friend of God, it's not just so you can sit on the pew and do whatever you want to do for the rest of your life till He comes back. He's honored you in a royal position for a purpose. And he's given you the power and authority to do it. Let me look, look at it this way. The Bible says that Abraham was called the friend of God in James 2, 23. And if you go back to Genesis, let me look, Genesis chapter 18, Abraham meets God for the first time in person. God takes on human form. We believe it to be Jesus Christ and two angels. They come to Abraham's tent. And the Bible tells us that Abraham met the Lord and those angels there and he began to wash their feet. Think of this on the night that he's betrayed. He's talking about this. He began to wash their feet and he began to serve them food and care for all their needs. And Abraham, while he could have been the host and had his slaves do it, Abraham was the kind of guy that when God showed up, he's willing to serve him. 
He's willing to honor him. He's willing to make sure all of his needs are met. And it says in uh, Genesis that God and Abraham walked out of that tent and went over to Solomon and Gomorrah. And God began to reveal to Abraham in person, talking as a friend of his plans for Solomon and Gomorrah. See, you and I today have a special position with God. If we are willing to serve Him, to bow our knee to Him, to worship Him and love Him, to make sure all of His needs are met, He takes us to a special mountain, a special place of provision where you and I have this great intimacy with God, where we can commune with Him and forever we will be His friends. But He gives us this opportunity to serve Him and to love Him and to obey Him. And and it says that you are my friends if you do what I command you. And He tells them, He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus comes to reconcile you that while you were still sinners, He dies for you. He chooses you. And let me tell you what, Jesus don't just choose nobodies. You are not a bunch of nobodies. You're not just a bunch of somebodies. Jesus Christ died for you. He chose you. He appointed you. And that choosing, uh, it does something to us. It, it reconciles us. And it pulls us from friendship with the world, which leads to death, to friendship with God. And the Bible says if we continue to hold on to that friendship with the world, it's to reject Him and to become an enemy of Him. But if we obey Him and love Him, we know Him. We're chosen, set apart, elected as friends. You and I today are chosen. Do you know what that means? You and I can be as close to God as we choose to be. You're as close to God today as you've chosen to be. You've been chosen. You're elected. You've been called. You've been called out. You've been set apart. And so if you want to get closer to God, you just got to choose to get closer. He's already there. He's removed all the wall of separation. And I know we look in the Bible and we look or we look in church today and we say, well, that guy's real close to God. He's got a great anointing. That guy, that pastor, blah, 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 blah. We're going to put people on a pedestal. No, no, no. You and God are as close as y'all want to be because he's already moved heaven and hell to get close to you. The only thing that remains is you to choose to get closer to him. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. But he's already gone the distance for us. You're chosen as a friend. You're chosen as a friend. You're commissioned. Not a friend in our definition today, but a friend in the king's court is commissioned. He says, I've appointed you. You go and bear fruit. You know what that word appointed means? It means ordained. Miss Ellen's going to get ordained tomorrow. We're going to celebrate that with her next week. But uh, he says, I've ordained you. You know what ordained means? It means set apart for a specific calling or purpose. It means you've been consecrated for a task that God has for you. And he says, I chose you and I've commissioned you. I've ordained you for something. When we get to come with Jesus and we, we get this honor being in the friend's court, we don't just sit around the, the king's table and uh, the, uh, the presence of God and just say, oh, this is so wonderful for us. That's going to be later in heaven. But right now, he says, hey, you're my friend. Go back out. I want you to do something for me. I've got a task for you. He says, commission, you've been appointed, ordained, set apart for a special service to the king. And he says, I've appointed you to do what? That you would go. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, I've got to go. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, I got to go. We're going to talk about evangelism later. All right. He says, you have to go and produce fruit. The fruit is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is love. He says, I've called you and ordained you to produce fruit, to make more people like you. An apple tree makes more apples. 
A friend of God makes more friends. A disciple of God makes more disciples. And if you are what you say you are, you'll produce more people like you. If you're a friend of God, we're going to produce more friends of God. If we're a disciple of God, we should produce more disciples of God. And he says, hey, I have called you. I've chosen you. I've commissioned you. I've ordained you. That means the Holy Spirit comes over you. When you get ordained, uh, five, six years ago, I guess I got ordained. And the elders of the, the presbytery, the, the people over me, uh, they come around you and they come around these people and they lay their hands on them and they commission. Just like it says they, uh, in Acts, they set apart Barnabas and Saul. They laid the hands, of the Holy, hands on them and the Holy Spirit came over them and sent them out. Friends of God, friends of the king, friends of the court are set apart and set out for a purpose. A God calling on your life. Every single person in this room today has a specific God calling. I don't care what you think it is or what you think. Well, I'm not like that or I'm right here. No, 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 no. You have a purpose that only God can give you and, and not the world or anything else. And it's yours. It's yours to be used for the glory of God. And I wish, I, I wish so many people would walk in the commission and the anointing and the ordination that God's called them in. Because God has gifted you with the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is that same power living in you. And we think so lightly of it. It's like, well, I'm just little old me. I'm just little old me. I just, I don't have many gifts. I don't have many talents. I can't do anything. No, 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 no. You have been chosen. You have been commissioned. And then lastly, you've been confirmed. You've been confirmed. He says in verse 16, he says, So now, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. God is calling each of us in this room today to a more intimate place with him. As the Bible tells us that the day of the Lord is soon coming, that we know that as the more the, that He's drawing near uh, to redeem uh, us and to call this world uh, to a place of judgment, that we as a church should be getting on our knees, watching and praying, uh, seeking God more now than we ever have in our entire lives. Because just like Abraham, we're like up on the mountain with God and we're looking down over a Sodom and Gomorrah and we see the world and He's talking with us. He's saying, church, I'm about ready to come. Church, you're my friend. We're, you've served me. You've blessed me. You've obeyed me. You've loved like I love. You've washed my feet. And we go out there to this special hill and this special mountain. And we get so excited. We're on that mountaintop with God. And we're saying, God, this is awesome. I get to talk with you and commune with you. And you get to bless me. And I get life everlasting. And yet at the same time, down on the bottom of the hill is a bunch of people getting ready to burn for eternity. And God's saying, how many people should we spare, Abraham. And Abraham begins interceding. Well, God, surely don't, don't kill him if there's this many people. Don't kill him. If, let's get down and get all the way down to Lot, right? Remember the story? Go back home and read it today. Are we just enjoying the friendship with God as this great intimate blessing? Or are we interceding for a lost and dying world that is soon to burn and go to hell for eternity? That's what we believe, church. That's truth. That's what the Bible says. And you and I have been given a special position of friendship with the King that we may be out in this world. You may go home tonight. You can get on your face before God. The Holy Spirit can come down in your prayer closet, in your war room, and God's Spirit will empower you to go out and win the world to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a friend of God. And you can't have that intimacy with God unless you obey Him as Lord, love Him as Savior, and then you get to be the friend of the king. But you have been called, you've been commissioned, and you've been confirmed. And he says, then when you get to that place with me, and what happened? He gave Abraham a chance 
to save Lot, right? He sent his angels and they redeemed Lot and his family out of that place. Why? Because Abraham interceded for a lost and dying world. He was a man by faith who when he heard God's voice and God's promises, he obeyed it. He loved God enough to serve him, to get down on his old knees, wash his feet, give him food and provide everything that God would need. And then he got to go out to a special mountain, a special place of position and listen and talk with God. But Abraham's heart, because he'd been affected by the love of God so much, he loved that there would even be sinners. Why did Abraham care about Sodom and Gomorrah? Why? God had already blessed him. God had prepared a nation for him. God was going to do... But yet, this man is an inspiration to us. Just like Jesus, he's a, sign, he's a symbol of what Jesus would be to come. That Jesus Christ would leave his position. He'd come down, he'd obey the Father like we should have obeyed the Father. He'd love other people like we should have loved other people. He'd love the Father like we should love the Father. And he would intercede. And even though God would exalt him and bestow on him the name above every name, he would still intercede for a lost and dying world like you and me going to hell for eternity. And because of God's love for Jesus... God said, I'm going to save the world through you, son. Church, today, before we leave this place, I hope you understand. Sometimes we've been living in the blessings of God and focusing on them for too long that we forget we need to be waiting for heaven to get all of our joy on. And sometimes we need to be anguishing in prayer for a lost and dying world because you and I are going to have eternity to rejoice and be with him. And right now, let's use this special position of privilege that you and I have. And the power of the Holy Spirit says, I'll answer your prayers when you pray in my will. I'll glorify you. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you because you've loved me, you've obeyed me. But let's be interceding for a lost and dying world going to hell. Amen? God loves you, chose you, blessed you, confirmed you, called you, commissioned you, empowered you. Man, there's not a people on earth as awesome as you. You know that? There's not a people on earth that have what you have today. Let's go out and win the world for Jesus Christ. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Miss T, would you come back? Nobody moving around. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. Let's just wait on the Lord. God, we want to obey You as Lord. God, we want to love You as Savior. And Father, we want to be Your friends.